Good afternoon. It is October 1st. And I've had a stirring in my spirit because today there have been three things that have lined up together to just speak to me from his word. When I gave the last podcast, Misalignment, Today, both in my church service and through the study that I was supposed to study for tonight, Mark 8, and it just confirms everything from this misalignment podcast. When Jesus had compassion and love and concern to feed the people, it was from his heart. He he told the disciples that these people that came to listen to him for three days had to be fed. In verse 4 of Mark 8, the disciples said to him, but how can anyone fill and satisfy these people with loaves of bread here in this desolate and uninhabited region? And that just came off the page at me. (laughs) What it spoke to me was that Jesus is the bread of life that fills and satisfies us. And we are the desolate and uninhabited regions without him in our lives. When we're running by our own will, we are desolate of him and we are uninhabited by him. We're just on our own. The seven loaves, why seven? Why wouldn't it have been four? You know what? Why that number? Well, in the Hebraic value of that was given for numbers, seven is perfection. He is perfection. Came upon this earth to perfect what was going awry. So he could bring us back to him and the Father and to have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. So in verse 6, he commanded the multitudes to recline upon the ground. Why did he do that? Why would he ask them to do that? Well, when you're reclined, you're in a comfortable position, you're relaxed. 
not in a mode of trying to do everything ourselves. We're listening. So we must become reclined upon the ground that is in within our lives and have the peace to receive for he will feed us and satisfy us if we if we want it. Further on going in this chapter, Jesus always before he changed those loaves to many loaves or those fishes to many fishes he thanked and praised God his father see he did not do it from his own strength and power as he had submitted all that to the Lord his father he gave the father the position he submitted to the father he surrendered to the father didn't take it in his own will to do anything. And that might be why he didn't heal everyone. He only did what the Father asked him to do. So that's our position here as being in his kingdom. Further in this chapter of Mark, there were seven from the fishes and the seven loaves. There were seven baskets left over of provision that were full, that weren't even used. Again, noting his perfection. He always provides even more provision. Well, going on in the story, the Pharisees demanded a sign from him to test him. And Jesus groaned inside deeply in his spirit, and he says, Why does this generation demand a sign? Positively, no sign shall be given to this generation, and he went away from them. He warned the disciples, look out, keep on your guard, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and the leaven of Herod, and the Hellroth. Leaven is 
a rising agent when you cook and bake. And what does sin do? Sin multiplies, it rises, it, it creates more sin, it, go, it keeps growing. When you indulge with sin, that's usually what happens. You begin to get into other things. So he was warning the disciples. You see, they doubted and confronted demanding signs. Because of their position. Of their interests. In verse 17, Jesus said to the disciples, because the disciples were more concerned on having no bread because they had left left the loaves that were in abundance left over they they left them they forgot them and they had taken a boat over to another place so they were more concerned the fact that they didn't have enough bread or any bread and then Jesus got upset with them and he says do you not discern or understand Are your hearts in a settled state of hardness? Do you not have eyes and ears to perceive and understand this sense of what is said? And he repeated this over and over. What did he multiply? He asked them. Well, in the first time, the the multitude of 5,000, there were 12 baskets. And in the second time, there were seven loaves for 4,000. And he gave an extra seven baskets. Of provision. I just felt like these numbers had some meaning because why, why would it have been just that set of numbers? Because he always uses numbers in his word and in the value system. Twelve is God's government. He chose twelve disciples. The number five for five thousand is grace. Seven loaves are perfection. Four thousand. The number four is earth or earthbound. It's 
It's the realm of the earthly existence. Seven is also sevenfold. There's seven spirits of the Holy, Holy Spirit on the throne. And, and you ask for them in prayer, your counsel, wisdom, understanding, uh, all revelation, um, or some of the other ones. His might and power. Um, that's five <laughs> anyway his flowing provision comes from his spirit and he always gives extra four and then the chapter goes on in verse 22 and 23 he goes uh to another place and a blind man is is there and the people are, are begging him to touch this man and Jesus caught his hand and led him out of the village away from away from these people and he spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him and he said, Do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So Jesus put his hands on him again, and he looked intently, intently. And his eyes were restored, and he saw everything distinctly, distinctively. We must fix our eyes intently so that we can see distinctly what the Lord will direct and guide and show you. That's what I got out of that. And the man looked up. Or to look up towards Jesus. In every circumstance. In every situation. Why did he take the blind man away from the village away from the people who were begging him what I got out of that is sometimes you need to go away from your situation circumstance and look to him and look intently and distinctly towards him. For his insight, for his counsel. Verse 27, Jesus asking his disciples, 
who do people say I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, Elijah, prophets. And in verse 29, who do, your, who do yourselves say I am? And Peter Simon answered him, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, You are blessed. Simon Peter saw who he was. In verse 30, he charged them sharply to tell no one about him. I find that interesting. Why would he do that? I know that Jesus knew he had certain things that he had to do. He only had a short time. He knew that his destiny was was coming to an end because right after that he says I must be from necessity suffer many things be tested disapproved, rejected by others elders, chief priests and scribes to be put to death after three days rise again And it was brought to my attention through one of my uh, studies that I do on uh, Sunday night is that Jesus knew he couldn't heal everybody. And it was too much. And that's why he even got the 12 disciples to be able to carry on the ministry because he knew he wasn't going to be here. So someone had to carry it forth from that point. So he had so much time and he knew that it would end. And Jesus has always said in in his word that we will have the same things. We will suffer suffer many many things, be tested, disapproved, rejected by, you know, even churches in their tradition, in their legalism and religious spirits that don't align with him. Even put to death in the sense of all that not being accepted and then we are supposed to die to self our interests so that we can have God's interests for us to rise with him these are all analogies that he's put forth that 
verse 32-33. The spirit of Peter rebuked Jesus for saying that. Probably in the disbelief that he would be put to death and all that would happen to him. It was not aligned with Jesus' spirit. Therefore, Jesus said, Get thee behind thee, Satan. To Jesus, it was evil. It was not lined up with him. So when people say things that are not lined up with his word and say things about you or, or, you know, comments, statements. Then it's not from Him. It's from the darkness. It's from Satan. It's evil. said, you do not have the mind intent on promoting what God wills, God's interest, but what pleases man. So he didn't want his disciples thinking that way. That's carnal thinking. Verse 34, if you intend to come after me, deny yourself. Forget, ignore, disown, lose sight of yourself and your own interests. Take up the cross, God's interests. Cleaving steadfastly to Jesus. Verse 35 For whomever wants to save his higher spiritual eternal life will lose it. Which is only lived on earth the lower natural temporal life and we do that a lot we want to save our life we want to save what we have here our professions our possessions our livelihood our everything. We look at it in such a physical, carnal way. The lower, natural, temporal life that we live in. That if we try to save it, but we will lose it. Because there's a higher spiritual, eternal life that he wants us to connect to. 
Whoever gives up his life lived only on earth for my sake and the gospel will save it and have his higher spiritual life in the eternal kingdom of God. It's directly what he was telling me with misalignment. Verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? The eternal kingdom of God. 37. For what can a man give as an exchange or a return or ransom for his blessed life in the eternal kingdom of God? Verse 38. For whomever is ashamed here and now of me and my words in this adulterous, unfaithful, sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Quite sobering. So that's just the confirmation of what I've been getting from from the Lord of our per- perspective. Is it eternal or is it carnal? And people say, well, how can you get that? Well, it's staying connected to the Lord continuously praying having a relationship with him talking with him sitting at his table asking for his mind of Christ asking to have those higher ways and higher thoughts getting into his word knowing who you are knowing who he is So that your self become, becomes less important. And he becomes more important. Because he's going to take care of you. And so it becomes also a trust issue. Or are you going to doubt and stay in your own position? It's quite a what he has for you do many get there 
don't know how many actually get there. But I think the effort and the desire and the want is what he sees. He sees your heart. He wants to fill your heart with him and what he's concerned with. See, his loving compassion is higher than ours. His sympathy and mercy is higher than ours. So I just wanted to give that to you and let you soak in it because I am. You know, I don't know exactly if I've gotten there either. I mean, I'm beginning to. Much more than I ever was before. I think that's how Enoch and Elijah they got taken they didn't die they they just were taken up with him so we don't connect with that sometimes I understand but for him to abide in you your your whole heart has to be his heart and I'm, you know he knows that you're to live in this life he knows he's been here he's fully man God so and a woman said to me this morning that you know she has to realize she can't live in self-condemnation about anything we do that a lot too so I can only say you can ask God to help you get to where he wants you to be because I'm sure it's not by our own might it's our own desire that we want to be he wants that there but I think we do need help getting there so I leave you Mark 8 It's a very good chapter. It's very sobering to look at and think about and meditate on and realize. What is he saying? He's saying a whole lot. God bless.